Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football today following a very exciting uh, Super Bowl. Another good one, Super Bowl 52, with uh, the Eagles beating the Patriots and Nelson Aguilar, former USC Trojan uh, wide receiver. Uh, Eight catches in the game. Pretty good game. We're going to talk to you about that and some USC topics with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde if you want to Send us a question. You guys sent in some texts and emails and voicemails. You can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or you can call or text to 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. All right, let's bring in the coach. What's up, coach? Hope you enjoyed your Super Bowl weekend. No, I really did. I thought the hype of the Super Bowl is not a Super Bowl anymore. It's a super event. When you consider the pregame and halftime and all the events and the props that all the people can play along with the betting lines, and it's just a huge, huge day. And, uh, you know, I always feel that Monday, and I've been talking about this for 10 years, uh, this should be a national holiday because half the people didn't go to work today. I'm not even sure the schools are open today. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great event uh spectacular the whole commercial thing was a little bit uh different i didn't think it was as a uh, as uh funny or exciting as some of the other commercials but it was a great uh event and uh, uh i enjoyed watching it uh, a lot with my family all right wanted to uh thank our sponsor before we jump into all this southern california tickets you can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for favorite team sporting event anywhere across the country or if you even want to go to like a play uh maybe you want to go i might take a trip to new york coach i've been in a long time and take my wife to see a broadway play so uh, i'm gonna have to give uh, curtis a call over at sc tickets and, and see what he's got but um, I don't think I've been to a Broadway play, so I, I kind of have to check this out. But keep this quiet. As I, I mentioned that, and it's supposed to be a surprise for my wife, so hopefully she doesn't listen to this. I don't think she will. But if you don't tweet her anything and tell her that I'm thinking about taking her to New York. Okay, I, I won't <laughs> tell her, I promise you. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, I probably shouldn't have revealed that. Dang. Uh, well, hopefully she doesn't hear. Um, well, let's, okay, so before I want to... Just edit it. Edit it out. Maybe. I, yeah, but it's a good plug, so I want to... <laughs> Um, so here's what we have got going today. We got some questions, uh, so we want to get to those. Uh, signing day is two days away, so talk about that a little bit. But uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the, the Super Bowl real quick. Um, it's the last football game that we're going to see for a while, like real football game. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a, a big game, uh, eight catches, I think, believe it was 74 yards. So he led everyone in receptions. Um, he, I think he got the first play of the game, like was to him. Um, so he was a, a, definitely a part of, uh, of that Eagles offense and um, just a lot. I mean, a lot of people watch it. I think they got like 71 share, which like means 71% of the households 
watch the Super Bowl. I was at, at a friend's house, and unfortunately, he had like internet TV. He didn't have like you know cable or direct TV or anything, and the signal kept cutting out. So that was a little disturbing. But so for me, it wasn't the greatest watching experience. But let's kind of get your thoughts, football wise, uh, going into that one, Coach. Well, you know, I thought it was a, a great game for people to watch. Uh, you know, it proved me wrong. I I took. New England, not that I like New England, I just thought in a close football game that the Patriots would find a way to win, which they almost did. Can you imagine what would have happened if they called pass interference on that Hail Mary and they'd had the ball right on the one-yard line with no no time left in the game? How could a game end like that? I mean, could have been, not that there was pass interference, but they never called pass interference on a Hail Mary. I, I I don't think I've ever seen it. But uh, I thought it was a great game. Would you have believed if I'd have told you uh, before the game that Brady was going to throw for 500 yards, New England was not going to punt, New England was going to average five yards a carry in the running game, and uh, they were going to lose? I don't know if you'd you'd have said, you're crazy, coach, you're crazy. But that actually happened. And it happened because uh, Philadelphia was willing to be aggressive, willing to not allow – New England to come back, played to win, not played, not to lose. Went for it on fourth down. Team loved that attitude, uh, and they had too many athletes. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, if they took away uh, Jeffries, the receiver, they went to Aguilar. If they took away Aguilar, they went to Entz, uh, the big tight end from Stanford. And when you look at the Pac-12, they represented the Pac-12 really well as far as Foles, uh, the tight end from Stanford and and also Aguilar. So they had just too many in their tight end. Burton. They had too many people for New England to try to stop, and they really did did a great job of uh, presenting the game plan and executing it. Offensively, it was a wide open game. Everybody knows the stats on the game as far as most yards, most this, most points, most points scored by a losing team. The whole thing. So uh, it was a great game, an exciting game to watch. And uh, Tom Brady is still a great coach. But I'm anxiously looking forward to see how Belichick rebuilds this team. Now, obviously, they'll be the favorite to to be in the Super Bowl again next year. But Gronkowski's thinking about retiring. And and I really, people say, oh, how can that be? He's making $10 million a year. Well, there's a time when your body just says, I can't play anymore. And, you know, he's had to concussions and he's got that arm problem he has back surgery and all these different things he's had so that becomes a time when you say i have enough money and i still want to move on he's got a great personality i'm sure he's he could be an actor he could do a lot of things so uh, i don't think he can does have to rely just on football but losing both your coordinators again and if you've noticed in the past every time he's lost a coordinator how many of them have been successful you know, Charlie Wise, uh, the, all these guys to leave, none of them have been successful. Even Josh McDaniels, uh, when he went to Denver, he's back. So let's just see uh, how they do without Belichick around them. But I'm real interested to see just what happens here. I'm curious, too. It's uh could be the end of an era. No one's had a run like that uh, for as long as Bill Belichick has and Tom Brady and stuff. I mean, just incredible 18 years or whatever it's been. I mean, absolutely uh, insane, but you know we'll see. Um, it's uh, it's sad though, with no real football for quite a while. But there is like a special day coming up, Coach. So uh, Wednesday, 
is National Letter of Intent Day. We call it Signing Day. Uh, now there's an early signing day, so this is like the first, you know, National Letter of Intent Day, first Wednesday in February every year, where a bunch of dudes are already signed. So it's a little bit different. Um, USC signed ten. And we're not sure how many they're going to bring in on Wednesday. Uh, we should get a lot more answers on Wednesday. You see how the class fills out. We got a lot of updates. Uh, you know, one official visitor this past weekend up on uscfootball.com. If you go to the Peristyle for our insiders, all our subscribers, you can kind of read what's been going on uh, with, you know, it, it was a it was weekend that Clay Helton went for some big names. Uh, but we're not sure what's going to happen uh, on Wednesday, but does this just feel a little different to you, Coach, with the, the early signing period? I, I, I think because USC still has some big names out there to sign, it, it you get that feeling a little bit more. But like, if you're a fan of Georgia or Alabama, some of those schools like basically signed everybody, and they have like one or two spots left. It's a little more like normal, I guess you could say, for USC. But everything just feels a little different to me. I don't know if it's the same way for you. Yeah, it's not the same hype as far as I'm concerned. The coverage is on TV and everybody getting ready and they're going to be faxed in and all of a sudden it comes up that so-and-so, they just received this letter of intent nationally and the rankings as it goes along. Now most of the rankings are completed. You really wonder who USC is going to get and how they're going to close as they always close strong at the end of the year because of who they are. But, yeah, I don't like it. I don't think the coaches like it. Uh, I'm not sure if the players like it or parents like it, but it's too much all at one time during bowl season and making a decision and trying to prepare for a bowl and do recruiting. And uh, I think the, they lose a little bit of the limelight, the NCAA, as far as uh, losing it to the Super Bowl and NBA basketball. I think this used to be a, like a national day, just like, Super Bowl, because it was the future of college football. Everybody was going to find out who they had and where they're going and unveiling of the hats on national TV. So-and-so is going to announce it this time, and somebody else is going to announce it that time. And uh, Yeah, there was a lot of hype to it, and I really liked it. We had we did a lot of live su- uh, signing shows and and uh, kept the ranking going. Yeah, I, I, don't, I really don't like it. Uh, because it's it's uh, in two in two parts, and you really can't uh, evaluate the staff uh, or not the staff, but the signings until it's all done. Then you sort of look and say, did they did they get who they should have, and who should have they have got that they lost, and they should have signed this other guy earlier, and they slow played him, and they shouldn't have somebody else signed him. There's too many question marks in it. And another thing, too, you know, USC hadn't fulfilled their staff or filled their staff. So there's a lot of things you're wondering. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely different. And I think, you know, the first year people are getting a a better feel for it. And we'll, we'll know a lot more. We knew a lot more after December 22nd, uh, after the signing period ended. It was like, wow, a lot of dudes signed. Didn't really expect that. And uh, I think we'll know a lot more after signing day, too. Uh, we'll see coaching moves and everything like that. And then... You know, next year there'll be, well, this year, I guess, because it's 2018, next recruiting class, uh, there'll be spring official visitors. So that's going to change. And I think they'll tweak the rules and stuff. Um, I don't really like that the signing days are like six weeks apart. I'd rather have them, if you're going to sign early, sign early, not not in December with a chance, you know, early late December versus early February. There's not a huge difference. And it's a very busy time in the college football calendar in late December. So. Uh, we'll see kind of going forward. But along those recruiting lines, we had a question from Tark with a Q. 
He said USC lost out on Julius Irvin to Washington. So he's a, a four-star defensive back from Servite High School. He said one thing that's easily observable is that his relationship with the coaching staff at Washington is stronger than it is with USC. His pictures on the internet are with the head coach and his position coach, which he'll be spending the majority of his time with. I stated in previous episodes that USC is too elite of a program to have coaches that don't recruit. Coach Bradford is not the main recruiter of any of our DB targets and lacks involvement in recruiting overall. This has been pointed out in several Peristyle podcasts podcasts, and by Jaden Woodby in describing his relationship or, that, or lack thereof with Bradford. Now SC just lost another top-level DB recruit. How much do you think a position coach's lack of involvement in the recruiting of a player he will be coaching impact the recruit's decision on a school? That's from Tarek with a Q. I think it's huge. You're going to spend a lot of time in meetings and on the field uh, with a coach that you have to trust and like and depend on. And if you don't have a relationship with them, how can you play? How can you sign? Uh, relationships are so big now in, in coaching and deciding where you're going to school, especially when schools are, uh, you know, somewhat equal as far as in the same conference and everything else. Uh, Heck, you're gonna. You want to play for you, you know. So many kids today go for who they're gonna play for now. It's really huge. It used to be, well, I'm going here no matter who's coaching. Now, you know, that's not the way it is. A lot of schools find that out when they lose their head coach. All of a sudden, they're not getting the same recruits. And uh, I think it's very, very important that the position coach gets very much involved in recruiting the defensive backs. Now, you have a lot of. Areas I used to break my areas up by all my coaches in certain areas where they had the most contacts. But once we narrowed in on who we were going after, then it was more or less co-recruiting that kid because of the establishment of the coach that had that area with the with the with the staff and the high school that he normally recruits, along with now bringing in the position coach and also. I would get involved very much the head football coach. So I think that it really makes a difference. And I think it really makes a difference, too, that the head coach offers the scholarship. I think it's a co-type of thing. We believe in you, not I believe in you. We believe in you as a football program and as a head football coach at USC or whatever. We want to offer you. Uh, a scholarship to be a part of our program. I think it's really, really important on how you present this offer, especially as far as with the traditional schools such as USC, where it really means something. Man, when I was a kid, that's where you wanted to go to school. If you ever got an offer from USC, wow, that was sort of a highlight. And I think that's the way you got to treat it. All right, Coach, thanks for that one. Uh, Let's go to a voicemail. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. Uh, my name's Steve. Uh, appreciate your show, podcast. Love it. Uh, Dan, very insightful. Only thing I got to comment, I just listened to the latest one. I don't think USC would ever send a head coach to another school to see how it's done. Going to Clemson, I can never, ever see that happening. But other than that, great show. Thank you. Coach, I think well, he was I don't know. Ta- yeah, I think yeah, he was talking about yeah. I don't remember which show it was. It might have been yours, or it might have been with Dan Weber. Someone brought up like 
traveling and going to see how other programs do it. So I wanted to play it for you and kind of get your thoughts being a former coach. But I, I don't remember if that was talked about with you and me or maybe that was with Dan and I. No, I've mentioned it before that okay. I sent my coaches, my assistant coaches, to other programs, and they'd sit down and talk football, not how they did the whole program, but sit down and talk football as far as uh, offense or defense and share ideas and thoughts on how you attack this defense and how you do this and how you do that. I think that's common knowledge. I don't think that's something that's not done. I know it's done, Okay. And I know that in restaurants or bars, or whatever, you sit down with a napkin and a pen and you talk all the time about certain techniques and so on. Now, I don't think you get involved in how did you recruit this kid or what's your recruiting visit like or any of that inside stuff or how do you forecast or break down players. But I, there's no question you share. As a head coach, obviously you don't go to the school to sit down as a head football coach, as coaching staffs you do, as far as sending your coaches to certain different schools to, to discuss things and talk about it. I remember sending, I told, I, this might be the, the, the segment he's talking about. I remember sending our, our offensive staff to BYU to find out a lot of the things they were doing at BYU offensively when Norm Chow was there and Lavelle Edwards. There's no question about it. And uh, they go somewhere else to talk to another staff. But head coaches don't go to another campus because they're too recognizable and and it sort of more or less uh, says you're trying to learn from someone else. They do it in a in a setting of when they're speaking at a coaching convention or a lot of the coaches. I know I used to be a part of the pony shoe board. We'd go on a, uh, a corporate meeting somewhere and we'd all sit there on the beach, wherever we were, and uh, discuss programs, discuss the presidents, discuss what your booster club is, discuss uh, what your assistant coaches are getting and cars and benefits and gas and all the different things, country club memberships, discuss the different things that you can get for your staff and uh, move, move on. And we used to do that all the time among head coaches. I mean, holy cow, we did that all the time. Uh, but we didn't do it at different universities. We would do it when we were part of Nike or Under Armour or whoever these. They have meetings uh, when they all get together and have a corporate meeting, and uh, and they sit back, and really they're being just entertained by the corporation. So, yeah, we did that all the time. So, And I don't think it's uh, below uh, uh, you. You don't know it all, and you're not saying you're going to pick up every point, but you certainly like to know what other schools are getting and how they do certain things, but you don't give away your secrets. Yeah, you can't give those away, but I, I, I think it's great. There's a, a network out there of coaches. You get out and you learn from friends and, and meet new associates and, uh, and, and do all that. So, yeah, it, it seems like a very common practice. Um, we had a question from Tarek with a K. He said, how often should USC practice in full pads and should no pads November be abolished? And we actually, Coach, uh, last night, Shotgun Spratling tweeted – uh, I think they were talking, he was talking to Zach, or he wasn't talking to him, but there was an interview with Zach Ertz uh, from the Eagles, and he said after the 17-week season, um, they had a bye week for the playoffs, uh, that that Peterson had them uh, practice full pads, one versus ones, during that bye week, uh, because they kind of took the, the last week off, I think they rested a lot of players, but um, 
he tweeted that out, and a lot of USC fans kind of harped on that. And so I know that's been like a point of contention, but that, that might be where Tarek's uh, question is coming from. Well, you know, myself, uh, I'm going to utilize every day I have in full pads. Uh, it, when I was coaching, you know, nobody told us uh, how many days we could go full pads. We'd go full pads every day if we wanted to. They didn't have that rule at that time. If I thought we performed poorly, we might go full pads on Sunday. I mean, he didn't play Saturday, so we might as well play today. Uh, or, you know, it just depends. You've got to be able to use your head. And at days, you could use it as a a reward or a, some type of an emotional lift to your team when you put up a sign in the locker room and say, no pads today at practice. The kids get all fired up and want to go out there, and it's a great emotional lift for them but uh to waste a padded day just to waste a padded day i think it's ridiculous because first of all it protects you to be in pads you're always protected better so it's not you're not gonna have any freak accident and when you're in full pads you're more prepared as far as to play so you got a different mental attitude and uh, that's why i always used to say keep your helmet on because your helmet protects your head don't be walking around with your darn helmet. Put it on your head. I mean, so many players, they can't wait to take their helmet off. So, you know, all of these things make quite a bit of difference. And the only way you get better as a football player and a football team is to practice football. You hear me say this every week, and someday you're going to say, don't say that anymore. <laughs> but that's how you get better. By practicing football, you get better during the week than you do during the game. If you have great players that you play against, don't you get better on your techniques when you go against each other offensively and defensively? You just can't get better one day a week. It doesn't happen. you got to do it every day and then tune it up on game day. Good points there, Coach. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, going forward if there's any kind of Changes to that philosophy. Um, Eric in Duck Country wrote in. He sent an email. Would any defensive coordinators be reluctant to join Chip Kelly's staff knowing the amount of pressure his offense can potentially put on their defense and players? Thanks, as always, Eric in Duck Country. No, I think it'd be great to be a part of his staff, especially if you're going to face that type of offense uh, so much. You can always discuss with your head coach the things that bother him the most as far as uh, the things that you can do defensively, because he's the one basically that started all of this no-huddle stuff. So he knows the stuff that bothers you the most and the best way to play him, because he knows what he doesn't like to see. So you do that along with what you know and your knowledge is between each other. You become a better def- defensive team, and plus you face it every day. Uh, I just talked about that. You face it every day, so if you face it every day, why shouldn't you be better at it? And you can try different types of ways of stopping the certain type of things that Chip Kelly likes to do. So if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd love to go against that every day because you get better at practicing against it and you use his knowledge, too, of what he doesn't like to see and what hurts the offense the most. So it just makes common sense that, hey, man, you got to look for things and ways to get better. Hey, good points there, Coach. But I think, like, so if you're a free agent pitcher – and you want to sign with the Colorado Rockies where it's like high altitude and everyone hits a lot of home runs, your numbers don't look as good. I think that's part of it where if the offense is putting up so many points, your defensive numbers might not look as good. So I, th- I think that's where he was kind of coming from. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But, uh, you know, you, you only get better. And I keep saying it all the time. You only get better at tackling. You only get better at kicking. You only get better at blocking when you go at it full speed. Uh, we had a text question. He said, hey, guys, my name is Willie Brown. Or, well, I'm sorry, Willis Brown. Just to let you guys know, I really enjoy you guys. But do you think that Coach Helton will hire any big-time coaches to bring on the staff? Uh, he says maybe Reggie Bush as a running back coach. Um, and he said maybe Keyshawn Johnson as wide receivers coach and let T. Martin worry about the offensive recruiting. Um, so they, they don't really have a spot for that right now. But he said, and one more thing, do you think that the offensive coordinator should be on the field instead of inside the press box? Sarkin Kiffin uh, did well being on the field. So that's from Willis. Text question. We're the first to no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Because uh, right now Reggie's got to, first of all, just get back on campus. Uh, and uh, it's not bad to have a be- big name uh, running back, but he's got to have, you know, coaching experience and know how to recruit and understand all of that as far as it. Uh, if there is somebody that has all of the above, remember, this is USC. You've always heard me say this. So, you know, you got to have somebody that adds in all areas and, Keyshawn's a great football player and has great football knowledge, but does he have the time and effort and to be able to put in uh, what you need to do? Does he want to be a career guy as a football coach or is he just coming out there as a celebrity? So you got to look at it that way, and, and it's a no-no as far as I'm concerned, okay? Uh, so uh, as far as uh, an offensive coordinator on the field or off the field, I've had it both ways. I was an offensive coordinator, and I like being on the field. But I trusted the person that was in the press box. I trusted him that when he told me, no, that won't work, uh, you've got to do this to doing that, I had enough confidence in him where I trusted his knowledge of the game to adjust and do what he said. But then again, when I was in the press box, I gave away contact with my players. I like the idea of being able to go over to my players, kneel down, talk to them, make the adjustments myself on the field. So you get some and you give some, depending where you are. You have a better view in the press box, but you lose the contact of eyeball to eyeball with players, and sometimes they need a little bit of extra effort from you as far as getting done what you need to do. And sometimes if you don't have the confidence of the necessary adjustments to be done, when you're in the press box, you feel like you're away from the game. You, you don't have your hands on it. So you've got to have people down there that do have that ability to do that. Yeah, I guess it was a little strange, and uh, probably the question, the second part of the question is coming from, you had T. Martin in the press box, but you also had... Tyson Helton, and then in the Cotton Bowl, you had Brian Ellis, who's taken over now. Uh, it seems like one of those guys would be better to be on the field. I mean, I, I think that's probably where that's coming from. Would you, would you agree with that? Or I agree 100%. I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, I, you've heard me talk about that many, many times as far as Sam Darnold coming off the field and not even talking to anyone, or even if it was a great player a play he maybe shouldn't have made or talking about what he sees out there and what do you think might go or the next time they do that, do this. I didn't say anything like that happening. I just didn't say anything like that happening. Or uh, uh, And with the uh, backup quarterbacks wearing headsets and knowing every single play that's being called, so if they're being called on, 
to go right in the game. They've been following the game. They've been tuned in with the corrections as far as the play calling that's going on. So you call that communication. And all of these things are a part of the game. You don't want to be overloaded in any one area. Now, if you have two play callers in the press box, what are you doing? Because Clay Helton is the other representative on the field. He's the head football coach. I mean, he's got a lot of things to tend to. So he will not put the extra time on the field into what's necessary to communicate with the offense. All right, we got one last question for you, Coach. This is a voicemail. We'll play it for you and get your thoughts. Yes, this is Jim in Oregon. Just have a question slash comment for Harry Hyde about the rankings, the preseason rankings for next year. SC is ranked number three in the Pac-12 behind Stanford and Washington, and everybody's bemoaning the fact that they should be higher. Uh, and realistically, they probably should be maybe fifth or sixth in the Pac-12. And uh, my reasoning is the coaching. Uh, they might probably have more talent, but it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to have the best talent in the conference uh, if you can't coach them up. And you've got uh, Peterson in Washington and David Shaw at Stanford. And now you've got uh, Kevin Sumlin in Arizona which I think in the first year he could probably pull up to the SC level, uh, maybe even Arizona State. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, Kyle Whittington isn't a better coach than uh, Clay Helton might be. And now you've got Chip Kelly, who will devise something that will uh, certainly improve their uh, season. And it looks like they're getting some recruits that SC wanted, uh, but, and so that's not going to help either. I'm a staunch supporter of SC, always have been, but I think realism has to be in there somewhere, and otherwise we're just going to get frustrated as can be. Just my comments, and uh, I'd like to know uh, how Coach Hyde uh, feels about that. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, I think you're real astute on, on your comments. I really do, and I'm impressed with the way you're evaluating the Pac-12, I agree with you 100% as far as uh, the rankings, and there's a lot of question marks at USC as far as, you know, with Sam Darnold being gone and how valuable he was to USC as far as a leader on offense and probably on defense and the whole package. Uh, as far as coaches uh, in the Pac-12, I think David Shaw is a, a great one, and Chris Peterson obviously has proved himself. And there's been some improvements, too, as you said, in, in the Pac-12. And last year when you uh, followed the Trojans, they won a lot of close games uh, with Sam Darnold. And they've had some changes on their coaching staff. And Sam Darnold's gone. And Ronald Jones is gone. And, and Rashad Green is gone. And there's a lot of changes and a lot of uh, things that have to be replaced as far as being ranked below, uh, then farther down in third place. Uh, I can't say that yet because I haven't seen exactly Chip Kelly's performances at UCLA. I respect him as a coach, and the same thing with someone over at Arizona. Uh, I would have to say talent makes up a great deal as far as space, and can you can't be a great coach, believe me, without talent. Uh, if you have talent, you got a chance, and I think USC has always got a chance. 
just depends what they do with their talent. I think that's what you're you're thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Is put him in a put them in a place where they can be successful and let their kids play. Bring this young quarterback along, along whoever's going to be, and surround himself with kids. Get uh, can can win for you and do something on defense and get your right players on the field on defense where they can perform for you. And if you've got the best talent and you don't mess them up and you put them in a place where your best players play, not watch, and you keep it simple yet, but you keep it in. Uh, a philosophy that works offensively and defensively, you should be the favorite. They are, they're probably going to have, and Ryan, you correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to have the number one recruiting class, I think maybe in the Pac-12. And if you continue to have these types of things, obviously uh, you should be performing at that level And uh, because of uh, the returners, uh, love and uh, all these guys at Stanford and their quarterback and Washington's returns, uh, returning players, uh, it's hard for me to put them above them as far as preseason, but it's hard for me to put them lower than that too when you have great talent. So I think it does come down to coaching as far as making these kids or putting these kids in a position where they can inform and use their talent. You know, Coach, we get, we get a lot of questions like that, and I, I feel bad because a lot of the questions end up being – with a more negative slant where people are feeling, uh, you know, upset about the season. And, you know, it's a team that won 11 games and, you know, won the Rose Bowl one year and the Pac-12 the next year. But there's still obviously a lot of USC fans that aren't extremely happy. But I think sometimes you take it to um, another level where if you don't like the coaching staff and then you're, like, ready to pick USC, like, fifth or sixth in the Pac-12, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yes, if you were just ranking coaching achievement um you know there's a lot of coaches that have done more than clay Helton. now he's got two years of some pretty good achievement so far but you know you hired a green head coach and it's going to take a while for him to build that resume up even if you know a lot of people feel it's not going in the right direction some people feel it's, it is you know i think that's all uh you know up for debate but usc still is going to be the most talented team uh in the pac-12 in my opinion um, no one gets five-star level players like USC does. Uh, I think Chip Kelly will be able to, to recruit pretty well, but he looks like he's recruiting for a system right now. He's not going out and trying to get the, the top-rated guys around. And I think USC is going to finish signing day pretty well. I think a lot of fans that are were kind of worried, I think they'll be pretty happy on signing day. It's going to be a, a good class, not a big class, um, but it'll be a, a really good one with high-level talent. So I, I think that... Sometimes people get overblown and being all the woe is me about stuff, but it's not a great Pac-12. Yeah, I mean Chris Peterson has got you know some some guys coming back and uh, is a you know great coach. He's proven it. Um, Clay Helton beat him head to head on the road, you know. So I, I think that if you will USC live up to all the expectations, if you want to say no next year, I mean that's fine, especially without Sam Darnold. But it's still going to be a really talented team. And I think sometimes, Coach, some of the fans get a little too doom and gloomy about it that they'll overlook the fact that even you know, with even with the, the, the problems that this team could face, they're probably going to win most of the games in the Pac-12 next year. Well, they have the talent to accomplish that. And I think that's what everyone uh, wants to make sure that happens as yeah. far as utilizing your talent. I think that's the number one thing and putting them in positions where they can win and making sure that there's series and you have counters. If they do that, you do this. That's exactly what 
I was talking about earlier in the podcast what the Eagles did. The Eagles just just uh, just beat up uh, New England. Uh, they could couldn't adjust to all the talent they had, as far as uh, all the talent they had. More players than New England had. Yes, New England had Tom Brady, who gets it done. But New England utilized all their talent. When you look at who they, who, how many people caught passes and how they moved the ball around, hey, this is why Foles is doing such a great job, is he's able to take advantage of who they have. And that's why he was able to come right in and, and get it done. Well, this is exactly the same thing that USC could do with their talent put their talent, the mismatches of their tight ends against other people and uh, maybe take a game plan and just watch their film on how they utilize their talent. I think this is something you have to learn to do, and this is part of coaching. And I think this is what people are looking to see what happens. All right, Coach, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on the show, and we appreciate all the questions that that come in. And uh, people are still very interested. It should be a very interesting Wednesday. Uh, for USC. So check back on uscfootball.com for all that. Uh, Coach Hyde was asking me about uh, videos of some of the recruits. So if you're not following recruiting, if you go to uscfootball.com and under the football recruiting tab, all the commitments are listed there. If you click on each one and you want to know about them, there's stats there, but there's also video of every player. So you can, uh, you want to see how good Amon Ross St. Brown is? We got a lot of video of him up there. You can go Check all that stuff out. But uh, I know, you Coach, you like doing that, too. I do. I love doing that. So that when we talk about the recruiting year, I've, I'm able more to discuss it more intelligently uh, by watching the, the videos. And uh, maybe, Coach, you want to talk about Thursday night if uh, people want to check that out, too. Oh, I'd love, I'd love to do that if yeah. you let me do that. Yeah, of course. Uh, Ryan's going to be on my radio show, the one that I do in Vegas in the Inland Empire. And it's the, if you want to listen to it, it would be the day following uh, National Signing Day. And you can go to KSHP, that's KSHP.com, and hit Listen Live. It'll be at 7 p.m., 7 p.m. this Thursday night. And if you want to listen Saturday morning, you go to KMET.com, that's KMET.com, and hit Listen live and you'll be able to hear the shows then and ryan i appreciate that and i'm really looking forward to that show but you and i really get after it we do and now is this going to be a are you, are you doing this one in person or is this going to be just the the radio stuff like with the fans and everything no no with the uh with the fans we're yes. going to do it from location we're going to be in a restaurant yeah right well, in southern california we'll be there at the Sarabella pizzeria if you want to come Santa Bella Pizzeria at 625 East Colorado Boulevard. That's where the parade goes uh, in Pasadena at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. I do another show before that an hour, but you, I really don't listen to it, but you're not interested in all the stuff I talk about there, <laughs> probably. But but it's all USC talk after that at 7. Yeah, so uh, check it out. If you come there, uh, yeah, say hi. Um We'll be in the, the the corner there, and coach usually you get a bunch of fans. I mean, he's a full table, yeah, full we of do. fans, and uh, they love to try to talk to me while I'm eating or or on the show. But the, whatever, it's fun. You know, we have a good I time. I tell them to leave you alone, man. <laughs> they wear you out, but you usually come before my other show is done. Before that, 
and I see them talking to you. You don't even have a chance to eat. Man, they're just all over you, right, man? I tell them, leave the man alone. <laughs> it is, it is kind of funny. You're doing the show off the air, really. Yeah, we do the show off the air, but then it's like while we're actually talking on the air, they'll be like, knock, you know, tapping you sometimes, like, hey, you want to talk? I'm like, we're talking right now. We're on the air. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll be doing the show, and I've got commercial reads and stuff in front of me. Guys will pick them up and start reading and take them out of the table. <laughs> i gotta, I got to have that back. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but you gotta, it's a lot of fun. you got to come see what Coach Harvey Hyde does behind the scenes. He's got the high-tech setup down there. It's it's a lot of fun to do. But uh, It's a lot of fun. I look forward to that one. The only thing I look forward to is the drive from Hermosa to Pasadena. So I'm going to figure out some reason to get up there way early so I don't have to sit in all that traffic and stuff. I'll send a helicopter for uh, you. Yeah, so what's you don't have to send your main helicopter. Send like your second helicopter. That's fine. Like I don't need your main. All one. right, I'll send the well, luxury I need, one. I only need to send the two passenger one. For yeah, you. yeah, like the your you know your Catalina Express one to do one of those. That's so. right. If your wife was coming, I'd send the big one. Oh, uh, well, maybe I could talk her into it. We get the big luxury. <laughs> helicopter. The uh, only problem where are we like where are we going to land it? I don't know, yeah. And remember not to mention, if you talk to her, don't mention uh, my little surprise. Oh, I won't. Okay. No. Someone's going to tweet her, man. Please don't do that. Please don't do anything like that. Um, all right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or his website, HarveyHyde.com. And like he said, we'll be out there, uh, Cittabella Pizzeria in uh, Pasadena on Thursday evening. So should be a fun time talking all about USC's uh, signing day class and I'll be at USC on Wednesday. We'll try to do some shows and stuff from there uh, after signing day. We'll be able to talk to Clay Helton really for the first time since the Cotton Bowl, try to get some clarification on some of the other things that have been going around in the program. So it should be a really busy week uh, here at uscfootball.com and the Peristyle Podcast, of course. So that's Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.